The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Those of you that have heard me preach a time or two over the last 12 years know by now that I am not a fan of telling jokes during homilies. The reason being that I fear the joke may get in the way of the message, and oftentimes it seems the joke is the only thing people remember. That having been said, I will tell a joke on occasion, if it helps to make a point, which is why I will tell this one story about the time that Father Rod and Father Vince took me fishing. They took me to their favorite fishing spot on a nice secluded lake. We parked the car and boat trailer by the shore of this lake and we anchored the boat out about 20 yards from the bank. After a short time, Father Rod says that he forgot his hat in the car and I offered to pull up the anchor so we could go get it. But he says, no, we are in a good spot. I'll just go myself. And then he gets out of the boat and walks on the water to the shore where he gets his hat from the car and then walks on the water back to the boat. Needless to say, I was quite impressed by this maneuver. A short time later, Father Vince says that he forgot his sunglasses, and then he promptly and without hesitation walks on the water to the shore, gets his glasses, and walks back to the boat just as Father Rod had done. Now, having seen them both pull this off, and not wanting to be outdone in the miracle department, I say that I forgot my suntan lotion and tentatively step out of the boat, where I immediately fall into the water and have to swim to the shore. After drying off and getting what I need from the car, I call out to them to come get me as I did not want to swim back to the boat. 
Father Rod, at this point, leans over to Father Vince and says, Do you think we should show him where the rocks are? Now, this is an old joke that I have personalized for the sake of the retelling. So please don't do as the 430 Mass group did and ask Father Rod on your way out if it's a true story. It is not. But the miracle in today's gospel is set up in such a way that it could not be simply Jesus knowing where the rocks are. It is not near shore, but several miles out at sea. And the sea is rough with wind-driven waves. It is clearly a walks-on-water miracle. But it is really different than most of the other miracles that Jesus performed during his ministry. With little exception, Jesus' other miracles serve some immediate and clear purpose in meeting an apparent need. In the case of healings, the need was obvious. Someone was ill, lame, or possessed by a demon. At the wedding feast of Cana, they were out of wine. When he calmed the storm, the disciples were scared. When he fed the thousands, the people were hungry. In catching the fish, the fishermen's nets were empty. And in raising the dead, the people were, well, dead. But in this case of walking on water, there was no apparent need to be met, cured, fed, cleansed, or eased. In fact, it could easily be argued that Jesus himself set up this miracle by sending the apostles ahead in the boat and waiting until they were well out at sea before joining them. They were headed across to a landing spot. He could have just gone ahead and met them there or he could have had them wait. But he sent them ahead and waited until they were miles out on a very rough, wind-tossed sea before suddenly showing up, walking on the water. Not only was he not calming their fears, but upon first sight of him, they were scared half to death. So we are left asking the question, who was this miracle for, and why did he do it? Well, this may come as a surprise, but this miracle was done for us. Yes, that's right, for you and me. Oh, sure, it was for the disciples in the boat as well. But it was just as much for you and me. For the one purpose of this miracle was to make clear Jesus' divinity. This miracle was a know-that-I-am-God moment. And it worked for the disciples as indicated by the last line where they paid him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. How well did it work for us? Knowing and believing that Jesus is God is the basic bedrock of our faith. Now, we might say, sure, we believe, or we wouldn't be here, but do we really believe it? Or do maybe some of us kind of believe it? And others believe it because that's what we've been taught to believe. But maybe we do not believe it in a life-changing way. I could talk about many reasons why a full appreciation of Jesus as God is critically important to our lives. But for this homily, I will ask you to consider just two. First, we have to believe that Jesus is God in order to accept the fact that he loves us as only God can. The most transformative aspect of our encountering God is becoming aware of his awesome love for us. God is love, and his love for us, the way he loves us, is quite simply outside our experience of love. In our best efforts on our own, 
we still are pretty much limited to loving those who love us in the ways they love us. Returning love for love with our spouses, family, and friends. Truly loving our enemies and those we don't know remains, for most of us, a work in progress. Maintaining our love for a person after they have hurt us, disappointed or ignored us, or otherwise fallen short of our expectations of a loving relationship is difficult. But Jesus loves us in spite of how we have hurt him, regardless of how we have treated him. While we were still sinners, he died on the cross for us, and no matter what we do, how we turn away, deny, lie, curse, reject, ignore, or ridicule him, he still loves us and will take us back. We have killed him with our sin, but still he waits, knocking on the door, expectantly looking down the trail, lovingly, mercifully, abundantly loving us. We must accept that he is God before we can fully appreciate that he loves us with a godly love, a love that goes beyond our human experience of love. We have to see him as beyond the world, not bound by earthly constraints, limitations, or weakness. Believing Jesus is God allows us to believe he can love us as only God can. Jesus is God means God loves us so much that he sent his son so we could come to know God in an intimate and personal way. A love that overcomes all fear. A love that lasts for eternity. A love that will never disappoint, never fall short, and never fail. Secondly, if we believe that Jesus truly is God, then the power to change comes from faith in him and not from faith in ourselves. If Jesus is truly God, then our lives and the purpose of our lives should begin and end with Jesus. But what do we do with that awareness, that revelation? Do we file it away for a rainy day and keep living a life focused on ourselves? Or do we use it as an impetus for change? The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. Peter's move toward Jesus shows us that with faith in Jesus, we can do anything. But it is not about what we believe about ourselves, but what we believe about Jesus. It was not Peter's faith in Peter that faded and failed as he walked across the water, but Peter's faith in Jesus. Peter heard, actually invited the call, and moved out of the boat with his eyes fixed on Jesus. But as he felt and heard the wind, he must have thought, how am I doing this? But Peter wasn't doing anything. Jesus was doing it through Peter's faith in him. So too, if we are to make significant change in our lives, we must walk with faith in Jesus, not in ourselves. With all the technology and scientific advances during my lifetime, it is no wonder that both people who profess and deny faith feel more than ever in control. As they contemplate anything, the only questions they ask are, do I have enough money? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I connected enough? but they will never reach their full potential on their own 
with worldly resources. As we move forward in faith, our questions shouldn't be, am I good enough, strong enough, holy enough? But is Jesus God enough? Is he powerful enough to enable me to change, to forgive, to love as he loves? Trust me on this. He is. He most certainly is. We might have our doubts about all the I questions we mistakenly ask about ourselves. But once we truly accept Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior, the only answer that matters is our answer to the last question. Jesus is God enough for us all. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.